0: The Muscle Nerd Podcast for everything powerlifting and sports sciences. So, welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast. Uh, this is Gus Cook. I'm head coach of uh, Lifters League, and today we our topic of the day is we're going to talk about calories in versus calories out and how the fitness industry got it wrong. Um, we also got here, Leonie.
1: How you going guys? Talk about, talk about myself, introduce yep. myself. Okay. So I'm a uh, strength coach here at lifters league. I've been working with Gus now for the last couple of years and um, I guess learning more and more all the time pretty much about this topic that we're going to talk about today, calories in versus calories out and how the fitness industry got it wrong.
0: All right. So let's start off with um, just with news, Lifters League news. The lifting and strength sports news. Um, so we've, take, we've taken on a new coach and training. He's been a client of mine for a few years. He today He starts on Monday, today he actually competed in a... Um, bodybuilding comp, I think it was the ICN. Mm-hmm. Um, he placed first in the muscle model, uh, second second in men's physique, and fourth in bodybuilding. So for his first comp, that's pretty pretty good, especially in a uh, tested, tested federation. Um, he'll be starting on Monday, and he'll never be small again. <laughs> um, also we've got coming up is nationals. We're only taking one lifter this year. Um, but he's a strong, strong kid. He's 15 years old. Has a over triple body weight deadlift, and um, um, we're expecting some big numbers. He did get come up with a glute injury for about three weeks. I wasn't too worried, and he was getting a bit concerned. But in the end, it all prevailed, and now he's three weeks out, able to hit a few heavy singles before he goes into um, his competition. Most likely, he is going to win. He only has one other competition that may may beat him, but we'll see how see how it goes um did you have any news no
1: no 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 that's pretty much all on point with that so far
0: um just a few things that were coming up in coming events is uh we got the workshop we got a workshop so we've got another fundamentals workshop coming up we have got another five series of him um uh, the first ones on the 16th of june they're free for anyone who wants to attend um, we basically cover competition, uh, power, um, powerlifting, uh, like competing and powerlifting. We go over, uh, breaking down and breaking down each of the lifts in detail. Um, and then we individually assess every single person. We also go through injury prevention, um, such as with lower, lower back, lower back, shoulders and knees. Um, and we have another powerlifting competition coming up in eight weeks That'll be Winter Warrior. 15th of July. 15th of July. Yeah. Um, also, for those who are uh, interstate who want to um, listen to the uh, watch in on our uh, fundamentals workshop, if you join our Facebook group, uh, Virtual Coaching, we're going to be doing a live feed there for free for everyone, anyone who wants to uh, listen in, but you have to join. have to join the group. Okay, so let's, um, let's go into the topic of the day. Okay. To submit, listen, and mail for questions to be answered on our podcast, then email me, gus at musclenerd.com.au. If you're interested in visiting our facility, Lictors League, or to get one-on-one coaching, programming, and nutrition plans from our team, then contact us via our website www.liftersleague.com.au or email info at liftersleague.com.au and one of our staff will be in touch. Or if you're not a local, we have an in-house online coaching team where we all work together to get you to your performance and body composition goals. Simply visit my website, www.muscelnode.com.au or email me, gus at musclenode.com.au and I will be in touch to see how we can help you. Topic of the day. Okay, so we're going to go into the uh, topic of the day. So today we're going to talk about um, calories in versus calories out and how the fitness industry got it wrong. So I wrote about this. Uh, quite some time ago, um, back in 2015. So, um, how I this so we've see, we've all seen, we've all seen it, we've all read it. Energy in, energy in versus energy out equals weight loss or weight gain. Uh, every single piece of fat loss and muscle building advice you ever read comes back to this simple equation. It's perfectly valid, and humans are subject to the laws of thermodynamics as anyone else in the universe. Physics is not just a good idea; it's the law. So to argue against the truth against the truth of energy balance equation is to argue against the nature of the universe but however your position of your argument in the real world this formula never works why so that is what we are going to uh, talk about so when it comes to this when it comes to this equation we're assuming that that these uh, that these variables are the only variables and that they are controlled variables but these variables come down to many many other many other other variables such as uh, energy output, uh, training intensity, volume. There was a study done which we'll... I'm going to go over here. with So really to calculate the uh, true value of these variables, it's near impossible making this method to predict entirely redundant. A study, so this study done, uh, where the ener- energy balance equation has always served as an important tool for the study of uh, bioenergetics. It is it is based on one of the most fundamental properties of thermodynamics and has been an invaluable in understanding the interaction of energy intake and energy expenditure and body composition. Recently, however, the obesity epidemic has extended the use of the equation to the to the creation of public health messages for preventing or even reversing uh, cyclical trends in body mass index. This often, this usage often, often fails to consider how much in any one term of the equation can lead to accommodations in one or both of the other terms. It is concluded that research and the public health messages should not simply consider how interventions affect just energy expenditure or energy intake, but rather how they affect the balance or the gap between energy intake and expenditure. So how we see it is that we take, if we have if you think about, we want to look at how we look at interventions on how to influence, um, muscle mass or fat loss by, uh, so instead of the variable being a plus B or a minus B, it ends up being a minus B under C and many other webs of variables that all influence as a holistic or one uh, synergistic system. So with one person, you can't simply just take out, 500 calories and assume a fat loss. If that person was to drop 500 calories, also drop 500 calories, um, if I just drop 500 calories, does their performance suffer? If their performance suffers, then the en- energy balance equation still might equal no fat loss. And in many cases where we've had it, we would have someone who would come in accidentally not eat all the calories on an average, say 500 calories per day. And would end up, would end up fatter smaller with less muscle mass because they basically perform like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time when we do see this, and it seems odd that we'll end up increasing their calories straight away because it influences other aspects of their life, such as stress, gut health, sleep, training performance. And they all are interventions for fat loss, um, which will improve, which will, which will then. Will work as this system where we'll constantly they're constantly improving their performance and we're able to constantly increase their calories. and we end up having them having huge amounts of food, and in most cases, or you know, not in every single case, but you know, the more food we end up giving them, the better their body composition changes. Yeah.
1: Um, I think something to add into that too is those interventions that you spoke about are positively influenced by more so an increase of food rather than the other way around where most people want to just reduce food generally reducing food has a negative not always but sometimes has a negative effect on all those interventions you just spoke about
0: okay um, and so instead so we've got it here somewhere all right so to summarize that study in um, many many of the prospective applications of energy balance uh, equations are overly simplified and often the wrong way to think about fat loss and weight gain. In a prospective uh, application of a true energy balance equation, one should not consider energy intake or energy expenditure as a independent variables, but consider interventions that influence fat loss and energy, uh, and energy balance. Alright, so... So for, my, so for our overweight clients or, or for people wanting to lose fat, I do not simply look for interventions that, that can alter energy intake or energy expenditure, but rather interventions that um, alter uh, body fat. Um, I think a clear example of that may be um, when we try to focus on increasing people's performances. They seem to have a very um, high quality metabolic effect in terms of rather just expending more calories, but seem to have a long-term effect. And there are studies to support this claim where um, mitochondrial output will be increased by several percent for up to 36 to to 48 hours after a weight training session. Um, Okay. So other interventions. Stress. All right stress performance sleep um, they all they all come at so you want, if you want to look at looking at fat loss it's not we're just looking at energy in versus energy out but we want to be looking at um, stress sleep performance or uh, hormones and they all play an influence on how we lose on how we lose or how we lose body fat um, all right I can um, touch back on the
1: weight loss side of things and looking at interventions that we would take into account so i think in a bit more depth why you wouldn't if you had a little client that come in for example an overweight client wanted to come in and they want weight loss that's generally a, a lot of their gold and obviously a lot of that weight loss they want it to be fat they don't necessarily want to come in and strip muscle mass off their frame although it can be sometimes you know a, a subsequent tissue that's lost when losing mass however so um, in saying that, why, again, wouldn't you just take, most people would say, why don't I just take 500 calories off or why don't I go down to the 1200 calorie diet that's generally the, the go-to even less. I've heard of some people eating 800 to 900 calories. So I think maybe Gus can touch on a little bit more as to why if we had a client that came in, why we wouldn't just instantly sort of drop 500 calories from their daily eating. What, what would you do instead?
0: So the first thing we look at is is the, their lifestyle. Um, their lifestyle is a is an entire system, and so the way. First off, they you, know, you look at how energy input also influences the way you should be eating. So if I have to change someone to if someone comes in, we generally go into apply weight training because that is what we specialize. That is what we specialize in. Now they're going to be huge metabolic. Advantages to the body when we start to do weight training, and therefore we do require more calorie intake to be able to um, respond to that demand. Now, the adaptation effects to this to this type of performance is generally body um, positive body composition changes to the point where people can recomp, We both lose lose muscle, uh, lose fat and gain muscle. Um, is that kind of the points? So yeah. We want to...
1: And the other thing, then I'd say on top of that, then saying the whole calorie to support the whole. Calorie inverse calorie output equation. Why it's not always, it's not as, as simplified as that. Um, is adding on to this as to if I had a lady that come in, why, and say she was eating, x amount of calories, didn't really understand how many calories. You know, she was eating more than what she was expending. Why you wouldn't just automatically deduct? You can look at the quality of the food. So I think that was one thing you touched on before was um, the absorption of certain foods. So then we don't generally have too many people. I mean, I've got a few clients at the moment that are on a, a, a goal is weight loss. And I think on average, I think majority of them would be eating about 1800 calories and still losing up to a kilo a week, still eating meats, fats, fish oils, they have some, some, some starchy carb, vegetables, nuts, that sort of type of thing. So it's not just a matter of they've come in and every time we're just taking 500 calories down, um, they're eating oh, yeah eating 800 calories, feeling full, Um, those sort
0: of type of things so this is where we go into energy absorption so different types of calorie all calories aren't equal and um, how types of food that we eat can uh, influence um, this equation as well so a few points I've put down is something like nuts there was one study done where um, they had two groups where one group increased the calories by 800 calories and only through sources of nuts Um, and the only tool they measured I mean it's not a Perfect body composition measurement, but they tested waist circumference and body weight. Um, and, and out of the two groups, uh, the group that had 800 calories more in nuts maintained, maintained weight, su- um, waist circumference, and body weight. So, you know, abstracting from that, their body composition was unchanged regardless that the calorie intake was higher over a period of time. Um, and another example I put down in one of my one of my blogs is you know if you think about CLA, you know this is just an uh, an abstract um, example. But if I was to give someone say in a con- perfectly controlled environment, give someone four grams of triglycerides from uh, CLA, um, they would be increasing their energy intake. They should be should be gaining weight or gaining fat. But that's not the case because CLA has a um, has the ability to increase fat oxidization. Um, and so, you know, even though you're having more calories, you're having the benefit of more fat loss. So this is where something like IRFYM doesn't work as a philosophy. It's a great tool, you know, and the people who uh, understand IRFYM um, properly um, can still... Make really uh, really good progress, but it's to us we don't consider a philosophy; we consider it just a coaching tool that we may apply to some people. Um, all right, and then the final stages final stages of this is homeostasis. So, let's go a little bit of a summary here of homeostasis. So, homeostasis is the tendency of an organism to auto-regulate and maintain their internal environment in a stable in a stable state. The stable Condition is the condition of optimal functioning of for for the organism. So it depends. All the v- variables in the body will start to change to try and maintain the same thing or the same state. And so when it comes to when it comes to when it comes to fat loss, say for example, fat loss, if we were to increase, if we were to decrease your food, okay, let's just really simplify this. If you were to decrease your food by 500 calories you could lose up to about um, half a kilo you could lose up about to half a kilo in a week. Alright. Now eventually that person will adapt to that to that change. And then their body becomes better at maintaining its body weight at a lower calories. So therefore most people's most people's approach, not ours, but most people's approach would be to continue to decrease the calories over time. And eventually you'll get to a state which we do when C when we get new clients come in, you end up in a state where someone's eating, you know, six hundred to eight hundred calories, um, and the and the effects of this and it, the the effect of this is is, is remarkably powerful that they are um, able to maintain a body weight of you know eighty a uh, hundred kilos plus, you know, for for a female and, you know, there, there's no way on earth if I was to get any of my females to eat eight hundred calories, there's no way they'll keep their body weight. They'll Waste away, and this is the adaptation effects of um, lowering lowering calories. Um, so we take a, you know an opposite approach, basically. So we will increase food over time, and the body will be trying to maintain its weight. This is why it gets harder and harder for people to gain weight. But if done in the right way, and we do enough measurements, you can constantly tr- you can train your body to want to lose more fat. You have you can cause adaptations for a person to stay lean all the time with a higher calorie intake. And example of this is probably one of my lifters, uh, Cynthia. I have her on about, uh, on, in comp, I have her on about anywhere between 3,000 and 3,500 calories. And she's 52 kilos and she holds a body composition between 13 and 18% body fat. And so um, this is the effect of also going in the, op- um, of trying to Take advantage of homeostasis in a more positive direction, but again, this is one of just many systems and many variables, which no longer, no matter, no matter if you had some sort of formula to predict an outcome, um, all these variables are not controlled variables, and that they will always change over time because we are a an adaptive organism, not a not a machine. Um,
1: I reckon got a, you'll have a few people on the other side saying, what about you know bodybuilding comp prep? Because, I mean, if you look at it, it for a lot of people, it, down to the very end there, if we take Braden, for example, just recently, it gets down the end there that he ends up having to do a lot of work mm-hmm. with very little calories to get right down to that optimal body fat that he needs to be for comp prep. So I reckon this is maybe where you could sort of put some of those things in the practice that you just said then, looking at what that creates in his body um, looking at what I guess the influences are of that sort of type of, um, stimulus. So the, you know, less food, more work, which is generally what most people go to when they talk fat loss and it comes down the whole calories in calories out. If I eat less and I do more, surely I'm going to get fat loss. That surely that's, that's the prediction. That's what will happen. Mm-hmm. But, um, in bodybuilding in, in not all those cases, but majority of, I guess a lot of that, a lot of people go. That's where it ends up near the end there. Mm-hmm. But then you then you get somebody who starts to become more of a fat gaining machine rather than a weight gaining of a sort of fat loss machine.
0: So you get a you get examples where where you get a lot of girls come out of comp um, out of a bodybuilding comp and would very quickly there are stories of people going losing uh, gaining up to you know, eight kilos in a weekend. Yeah, and it's absolutely absurd because they they've absolutely trained their body. In such an extreme way to gain fat so easily, yeah. where most of my guys, I think, um, I think one of the, uh, our bikini girls when I prepped her, um, what's her name, Paris, mm-hmm. um, we were came into comp at two thousand two hundred calories. Um, we did no cardio, and we were trained up. To, we ended up training up to six days a week. It was all weight training. And the day after her comp, she had a yeah, few meals out. She had no urge to binge because again we give her plenty of nutrients. But she ended up she ended up um maintaining her body composition right through and continued to recomp for a few weeks after on two thousand two hundred calories. Um a
1: so good example of why calories in don't doesn't mean calories out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we should um probably wrap up soon. Um, do you have any more? No, well,
1: another thing to add on to that, I think is maybe, cause I mean, I know for my, just examples that I can call on and it's, I can just, even if you look in my last four weeks of clientele that I've dealt with, I can tell you on numerous occasions where, where this belief, where if I've done this and I do this, this will give me my result that I want, which is fat loss. Um, I had a lady that come in the day, she only just recently started, um, very, very new to weight training. She's so just doing three full body um, sessions very similar to each other maybe takes her about an hour to get through Um, she was, I started on her about, I think she was about 1750 calories um, sort of high high carb, low fat um, breakdown, moderate protein Um, she came in and she actually lost weight but actually got fatter so exactly what Gus was saying before that she lost weight yes but it was actually end up being more muscle mass and actually Getting fatter on the um, in-body machine here, so her body composition. Sorry, so it absolutely blew her mind because for her, she's like the very first thing was, um, do I need to do more work? Am I doing enough in the gym? Do I need to do another training session? Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I was walking before. I'm not doing that now. Like she had all these went instantly looking at. Okay, maybe I need to do more. But mm-hmm. I said to her, no, we actually we're doing enough. If anything, we're not we're not eating enough to do what we're actually asking our body to do of now. So to put another day in would just create even more, deficit, demand, create yeah. even more uh, maybe weight loss and <clears throat> muscle mass loss. So, and that's just one example. Um, I had another gentleman that came in the other day, so like us were saying, an over, uh, overweight person who, you know, if you look at the, cal- the equation of calorie in calorie out, should it be as simple as I'm eating 800 calories, which I reckon, if I looked at what he was eating, maybe about 1,200 calories. Mm. He wasn't eating any carbs; it was it was purely uh, protein. It was like a protein spa- sparing sort of diet, just mm-hmm. protein and, and veggies, no carbs. He'd been doing that for a while, lost a lot of weight to start off with. It was fallen off him to start off with, but now he's plateaued and he doesn't know how to break it. Um, when I said to him that we would obviously start strength training because that's what what we do here. Um, but to do that, I would need him eating more. He would need to be eating a moderate intake of carbs because otherwise, if I made him go do strength training, which was more than what he's already doing already, he would maybe lose weight, yes, but it would actually end up fatter on our, our body um, composition scan. So and he sort of it was, a, it was a hard challenge for him. He was like, surely if I put carbs in I'm, and you're going to ask me to eat more, I'm going to get fat, I'll get fat. And, I, and it was very, very hard to convince him that this would not actually occur that to not give him carbs and to not give him more food would actually make him fatter. If I got in strength training three days a week,
0: I think I, I just uh, thought of an, another point to add to all, all, all the variables, all the variables to this is that the, um, uh, variable of gut health, um, is a little bit, a little bit off topic, but, um, even recently when we talk about wanting to train more, um, I've come across a bit of information, you know, showing that, um, when we exercise import, is very important to gut health, but too much exercise can have a negative effect on gut health. And then if the, and from what the research has shown on how body composition changes compared to our gut health, uh, there's a really cool statistics, statistics showing that we can predict um, metabolic syndrome or obesity to a 90% accuracy simply by looking at someone's gut bacteria. And so something as simple as you know reducing your exercise can be an intervention for fat loss and it seems weird but it is the case sometimes you know that is a very very specific case but it can happen all right um we should wrap it up there um, um thanks for everyone for uh listening if you have any questions um shoot us an email uh you can you can email us at info at, uh, Be happy to hear from you guys soon. Right, to sum, to summarize okay to summarize energy in versus energy out aren't independent variables right um, and they're not the only variables it's a vast web of variables which include stress sleep training which all influence our body composition and including muscle mass and fat loss um, they all they all influence the equation including And then we have the influence of performance. Um, and so then we ha- Then we have the influence of performance and its effects it has on the metabolism. So though the, if we are able to increase food and then um, our training output increases, then the energy balance equation may favor fat loss, but you have to be training hard enough or with enough intensity we got energy absorption so the way foods are, di- are digested or absorbed by the body you have certain fats or you have certain fats or triglycerides that don't contribute to fat gain even something like a high protein intake, protein is absorbed protein is absorbed Protein is metabolized very differently than the other macro intake. And a lot of studies have shown that an increased calorie intake from protein has never, has never led to increased fat, fat gain, regardless that the calories intake are higher. So this is where, um, this equation, um, the, are, they are also not just summarizing, um, they are also not uh, fixed. They are also not fixed variables. So we have homeo. We have homeostasis. So our body's ability to maintain a stable state or a stable system. And so the variables in the energy balance equation aren't a constant. They are constantly changing to help us maintain an equation that equals zero. So basically, maintaining everything about our body composition. So how can we overcome this, or how can we make change? Um, what we do here is that we look at. First off, we use all this information to create a hypothesis and a prediction. This prediction is what we is what outcome we want based off the variables we want to change. So that might be okay. We think that we think that this person has a lifestyle dysfunction so we'll want to change the way they move and exercise and the types of foods they eat overall their food intake might be higher but it will change so let's say that is our prediction we increase their food intake and make a change now we don't know how these are going to respond we have a hypothesis but we don't know how the body composition is going to respond and over and how that's going to respond over time because the body will start to adapt. So we have to measure, measure constantly, right? And over time, the body will start to adapt. And then eventually we will need to either increase change, increase calories or change output or change the stimulus of the training. And then we, so we monitor how they respond over time. So we have this system of hypothesize, change change and measure variables and react to react to react to the outcomes based off the information that we do know. Do you have any points on to summarise this?
1: Mm, I think you knocked it on the head.
0: And that concludes the muscle nerd podcast.